Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at MileHighReport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Welcome back to another edition of the Mile High Report Radio Podcast, MHR Radio. A special edition of the MHR Radio Podcast because it's not a special edition. Ian St. Clair, Adam Malnati. And it is, we are in uh, the full swing of Broncos offseason. And the reason we know that is because of all of the draft articles that you're seeing on Mile High Report and the Senior Bowl and guys that the Broncos should be targeting and so on and so on. Right, Ian? We could say it's a lockdown version. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be such a long offseason. I can already tell. It's we got three months. Three months. It's rather apparent that the Broncos are going to be targeting Drew Locke. And that's a name that all of Broncos country and everyone listening to this podcast around the world, which I need to take a moment to thank everybody for, again, listening to us ramble on about the Broncos. But I think it's a name that Broncos fans should get accustomed to in Drew Locke because right now that seems to be the name – that they are most linked to, and it has that Garrett Bowles-esque feel to it. Ugh, I can't believe you just said that. Like I, 
I'm not a fan. I, here's the thing. I don't know enough about Drew Locke to really say yay or nay or anything. I obviously need to do a little more research on it. But just the idea of, I, look, they had their shot. I, I would argue in the 2018 draft, they had a shot at, at drafting a quarterback and they chose not to. And I don't know of any quarterback in this draft that's as good as any of the top quarterbacks in the 2018 draft. And so moving forward, obviously we're going to have to, I guess, pay attention to it. But you're right. We we are in lockdown mode um, because that's, that's the name we're going to pay attention to. The Broncos clearly are not sold on Case Keenum moving forward. So, as they shouldn't be. As, as they shouldn't be. I, I'm not saying they should be. Um, I just am, I, I, and I'm just going to say it now because I think you know this is how I feel, and I would love to see it happen. I, I really feel like the Broncos should be um, targeting Trevor Lawrence and, and figuring out a way, to strategizing some sort of way of of getting him uh, in a few years when he does finally come out uh, in the NFL draft. Because you know, going and getting a mediocre guy right now is isn't really going to make anybody any better, and it's not going to save this franchise. So. That being said, I don't know enough about Drew Locke or, or even Haskins at Ohio State or, or any of the guys in this draft. What I do know is that most experts will tell you this is a down year for quarterbacks compared to what there was last year. And my retort to that is those same experts say the same, say, said the same thing about the Mitch Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson draft. That's fair. That, that's a fair assessment. And so what that really should tell you is that there really are no experts. The experts, and I think yeah. the one thing about Drew Locke is that they're going to – they've already started the Patrick Mahomes comparisons. Some are saying that he's like a Patrick Mahomes light. I just hope he's Drew Locke. I just hope that he's a quarterback that can make all the throws, uh, knows how to handle the pressure of being the face of an organization – wants to get better. I think that's the most important thing for a young quarterback, especially one drafted in the top 10 is they, they have that desire and urge and need to get better. And they're not afraid to fail. I think that's another aspect that's going to be crucial. And one thing that stood out to me, I didn't watch the news conference from the opening of the senior bowl on Monday but it seemed like it was there is a consensus that Drew Locke nailed his his news conference that he just he he has a character and a charisma to him that he is honest that he is unflappable and i i think those are good intangibles to have no doubt that he's probably been trained with that news conference knowing that it was going to come and and why wouldn't you this is a job interview so, and he, he had a good start on Tuesday, had, I think, the highlight of the practice session for the North team with a deep touchdown pass that was about 40, 45 yards, a touch pass, beautiful, beautiful pass. And I, it's clear that John Elway and the Broncos are interested. As I told you before we started recording, you don't watch a guy four games out of Missouri season and then have John Elway in attendance in Columbia against a bad Arkansas team with bad weather in Columbia, Missouri, and you're not interested. 
And I get it. He also was in Eugene for Herbert against Oregon, but Herbert has stayed at Oregon. So I, I, I do think that it's a name that, that Broncos fans need to get accustomed to. And with like you, I haven't watched nearly enough of Drew Locke, so I'm, I'm going to hold off on saying whether he's mediocre or what type of player he is uh, until I watch it. But it's definitely intriguing that it seems like Elway has a guy that he likes and he may he may do whatever it takes to get after him, and that means trading up. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes here, and one of the things that we have talked about on this podcast is the need for the Broncos to get behind a young quarterback. And they failed at that miserably with Paxton Lynch. And I'm not saying that, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, that the way that they went about the Paxton Lynch stuff was was poor at best. But I think that what they can do is they can take a, a page out of the Kansas City Chiefs book, which I know that we don't like to say, but one thing Kansas City Chiefs did that was right was they got they went all in on Patrick Mahomes, but they didn't shove him out there right away. They did a year with Alex Smith. Alex Smith knew he was gone at the end of the year, and he was uh, professional enough to play out the season, understanding that he got as he was going to get as much as he could out of that one last year with Kansas City, and then he was going to move on, and Patrick Mahomes was going to take over. And I think the Broncos could do that with this draft. I think they could take a quarterback in the first round if that's what they choose to do. And they can say to Case Keenum, we appreciate you coming here. We would we would love to have you uh, you know, play out your contract. We're going to give you one more year to show the league what you can do. And then you'll, you'll get an opportunity to sign a contract somewhere else. And we're going to move on to, for all intents and purposes, for this conversation, Drew Locke or... Uh, whoever else it might be that they decide to take in this draft. If they do that, if they if they commit in that way, I can see this becoming something that's a successful move. Um, and then you don't have to figure out a way to, to be really good and then tank in that one year that Trevor Lawrence is coming out and try and draft him uh, because you can, you can sort of bring a guy along a lot like Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't know that it's fair to con- – to compare Drew Locke to Patrick Mahomes. I don't think it's fair to compare anybody, but, and I like what you said about it. Let's hope that Drew Locke is Drew Locke. Let's hope that when people talk about him, they say, man, he's, he is who he is, not somebody else. But the way that the chiefs did things, I think was the, that was the playbook right there. In my opinion, that's how you need to do that with this type of draft. This isn't a draft a guy with the first pick or the second pick or the third pick and then shove them out there and hope that they play well. This isn't Baker Mayfield to the to the Cleveland Browns. Go make it happen. This is an opportunity for the Broncos to use that veteran quarterback to guide the rookie for one year and then let's make it happen. And who knows? Maybe the, maybe that'll work out. Maybe it won't. Maybe they won't even take a quarterback because we're so far away from the draft that tons of things could happen between now and then. But that is sort of where we're at as far as, like you said, Ian, we're, we're in lockdown mode. This is, this, this is where we're at right now. I think the way I would like them to go is what Doug Peterson and the Eagles did with Carson Wentz. They had Sam Bradford. They had Mark Sanchez. They drafted Carson Wentz. They made it an open competition. Who is going to be the best quarterback? They didn't They didn't have a designated winner, a designated starter. They just said, go out. You three guys go for it. 
whoever's the best is going to start, regardless of you, if you're a veteran or a rookie. And that's what they did with Carson Wentz. That's what the that's what Pete Carroll and the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn, because they signed Matt Flynn that offseason that they also drafted Russell Wilson, but it was an open competition. And I think that's what Elway and Vic Fangio and Rich Scangarello need to do if they draft Drew Locke. I, I totally understand the Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith route in Kansas City, just kind of a la Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. But make it an open competition. Give every single guy an opportunity to be the starter. And I have a I'll add in another one. Sign another veteran or draft or trade for another veteran. So you have Case Keenum. You bring someone else in to add to the competition, and you have the first-round quarterback that you either take at 10 or trade up to get, but you make it an open competition, and you don't have a designated starter. You say, you three guys, go at it. We're going to put you in a situation to success. The best guy will win. And I, if they go that route, so be it. Because I, I, I totally agree with you with the way they handled the Paxton Lynch situation. Thankfully, the guy who did that is no longer with the organization. So if they do draft a guy, he's not going to be around to do that again. Yeah, because I think that you and I are both on record as saying that Paxton Lynch should have been the starter in his rookie year. He had earned it in training camp, and then everything was downhill from there. That being said, who knows what would have happened had they named him the starter. Uh, it could have been disastrous, but we'll never know because they never did. Uh, I guess what we really should do is maybe dive into the Senior Bowl a little bit because that's coming up on Saturday. And there's a great piece on milehighreport.com right now, uh, Jeffrey Essery. And, uh, and and Chris Hart, they, they did a little uh, combination article on some of the other names to look for, some of the other players to watch uh, at the Senior Bowl that are not quarterbacks. I think that's the important part of it. Guys that aren't quarterbacks that you should be watching at the Senior Bowl. And so, I don't know, Ian, do you want to start off with some of these guys? I know there's a couple of names in here you want me to take. So you just, you just let me know when you want me to say some names. I think the key to take away from, from Hart's and Jeff's piece on these prospects to watch at the senior bowl is you're going to see a consistent theme. There's a lot of defensive backs, safeties, cornerbacks, and then a, a, a few linebackers, but then it's, it's all trench guys, offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And I'll, I'll list the first guy that Jeff lists in the story. And that's Nasir Adderley, who's a safety from Delaware. And as Jeff says, Denver will most likely move on from Darian Stewart, and he would love to see them restock the cupboard at the safety position. Nasir Adderley is a ranging single-high deep safety who played corner his freshman and sophomore year at Delaware, which comes through in his excellent footwork. The thing that I'm going to put a caveat on with safety is there are a couple of free agents, some big-name free agents, that Broncos fans should keep an eye on coming to Denver. And one of them is Earl Thomas. Can you imagine Earl Thomas in a Vic Fangio defense? And if not Earl Thomas, his safety in Chicago is Amos, who yeah. just had one of his best years, if not the best year of his career, with Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator, could follow him and Ed Donatel from Chicago. But Earl Thomas, 
in a Broncos defense with Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't hate it, uh, and it would actually um, free up a spot, right? Then the Broncos don't have to go get a safety in the draft if they don't want to, or they can and they and they just create depth. I, I agree with you on that. I think that would be really uh, interesting. You know, the one the one thing that we sort of run into when we start talking about the draft this early is that you also have to factor in free agency, but that's a really interesting way to look at it. If you if you want a guy like a Nasir Adderley, then you don't have to worry about signing a veteran for a, for a big contract. But if you want to go get the veteran because you know that that's a need, then you can free up a, a draft spot where you can take a guy that's that's another need. And that's always a good thing as well. Or you can just take best player available, which is what I always like. And you don't have to worry about position because you're filling position with free agents. And, and that, I think, works out pretty well. Um, I, will, I will add that Brandon Thorne, who is an amazing offensive lineman analyst, and I'm going to bring him up on Twitter real quick so people know where to follow him. It's like a it's like Brandon Thorne something. NFL. That's how you can follow him. Definitely give him a follow because the analysis that he does on offensive linemen is considered, if not the best, one of the best in terms of what he does and how he does it with offensive linemen. I saw a tweet from him today where he said on Tuesday that this class of offensive linemen in terms of free agency for interior and exterior linemen is a great class. So that's something to keep an eye on too, especially now that Mike Munchak is the offensive line coach and you know guys in the NFL know he is the best offensive line coach in the NFL. So that's something else to keep an eye on for any of the names that you mentioned now in Hart's and Jeff's piece. Right. And then if just to go off of that, you've got Titus Howard listed in here, offensive tackle out of Alabama state. Um, you know, here's a guy, he's, he's huge. He's six six, three hundred nine pounds. But as, as Jeff said in here, uh, Denver needs a long-term answer at right tackle. And Titus Howard is intriguing. I mean, he's a small school guy, you know, he's, he's out of Alabama state. Not Alabama, but he's a he's a big guy. He played well against Auburn, according to Jeff, which is always good. And he's he's been playing against what Jeff calls inferior competition throughout his entire collegiate career. So that could, in my opinion, that always makes me a little weary. Like, do you really want to take a guy who has been playing? He's been sort of Goliath out there and not really having to play against anybody that's that's that good. But if he shows out against a team like Auburn. Um, you know, I, I like that. I like the the idea there. Just kind of depends on what the need is, what the you know what best player is on the board, and, and what they're going to be going for. The other name that that I like that Hart it's Hart's first player that he mentions is Tavon Coney, who is an inside linebacker from Notre Dame, and we've said this on the podcast, and Hart mentions it in his little write up about Coney, is that. He has a dominant, elite, athletic middle linebacker in his defense. And Coney can be that guy, as he showed over his last two seasons for the Fighting Irish. This his senior campaign, he totaled 123 tackles, nine and a half for loss, four sacks, and an interception. And if he has a strong week, he could submit himself, as Hart says, as a top 75 prospect coming into the draft. So maybe not a guy they take at number 10, maybe in the second round, 
more than likely the third round. It depends on what he does over the course of this week. But a, a dominant middle linebacker, even let's say if they, they pass on Devin White from LSU, who I would absolutely love because he falls into the same kind of category as Roquan Smith, who you were oh. – drooling over a year ago i think i'm still drooling just a little bit the guy's amazing but that's you know that's okay so it that's a that's a name to keep an eye on and but in terms of middle linebackers there's another name out there picturing in vic fangio's defense with bradley chubb and vaughn miller is cj mosley now obviously the tag I, I, i think baltimore would be nuts not to tag him i think he i think they tag him but if he's not tagged, and that's my dream, can I just say, can you imagine the middle of that defense with C.J. Mosley and Earl Thomas? And then I mean, on the edge, you have where are you Bradley getting all, Chubb and Vaughn Miller. Where, where are you getting all this money from? That's what I want to know. They're going to have between 60 and $80 million in cap space. Oh, done. Well, sign, sign me up then. They can even throw me a ball and maybe send me a send me a mail just for fun. Why not? And I'm going to throw in another guy in the middle who they could potentially go after because it seems like he's done in Tampa Bay. Gerald McCoy. Yeah. How That'd about be, that for an interior defense? That would be an interest. That would be an interesting go, right? An interesting get, I should say. I mean, to go out and grab a guy like that, bring him in, shore up the middle. Uh, I, I mean. <laughs> You're you're building what I would would consider to be kind of a an all star defense right now in your mind and and if it were all to fall into place and work out that would make teams pretty scared of having to play the Denver Broncos I, I think that's a that would be fun I like that well as Elway said in his season ending news conference and as Joe Ellis said they don't believe in rebuilding no. No, so they this don't. Had, that has a, a 2014 feel to it when he went out and got Demarcus Ware, Akib Talib, T.J. Ward, Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, but Casey and they're going to have they're going to have more cap. They're going to have <laughs> way more cap space too. That's true. That's true. But again, it, you, you go back to that, and you, you got to remember, Case Keenum is still their quarterback. So. Uh, do you want to come play with Peyton Manning? Why, yes. Yes, I do. Do you want to come play with Case Keenum? Uh, not really. But I'd want to play for Vic Fangio. That's true. There, there's your draw right there. Would you like to play for Vic Fangio? Yes. Yes, I would. That would be good. I agree. All right, next name on the list, and I'm going to say it because you can't. Amani Oruwarie of Penn State is a cornerback, and I, I like this idea that Jeff puts out there on this one because he's talking about uh, uh, replacing players that need to be replaced and filling a role. And so he's looking at Bradley Roby's future and he's saying, who knows what's going to happen with that? He's looking at Chris Harris's injury and who knows what's going to happen with that. But Amani Arawarie of Penn State is a corner that is, he's 6'1, 204 pounds. And it looks like, according to Jeff, he can play either man or zone. So whatever Vic Fangio's defense decides to do, he probably could fit either, you know, either direction. That I like. I like guys that are flexible. I like guys that can do a little bit of everything. And when you have a need like cornerback and there's a guy out there that can fill the fill that role, you got to go and get him. And with a name like Oruwarie, it's got to be good. 
And Hart actually mentions another cornerback from USC, the University of Southern California, not South Carolina, Iman Marshall. And it, it falls into that same kind of idea that Jeff mentioned about replacing, basically filling the cupboard with, with guys who are of that mold. And I think one thing that has yet to be seen is how Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel and now Ronaldo Hill coach the defensive backs and how different it is. And in terms of the system that they run, how that plays into it, because it's going to be different than the way Joe Woods and uh, the way the defense has been coached the last two years. It's going to be different. Oh, yeah. So I think that's also going to play into who they look at in terms of these positions and what they can do. Because I think unlike some of these other coaches the Broncos have had, as we've talked about, they're not going to be pigeonholed into forcing the system onto the players. The system is going to be way more flexible to the players' strengths. Something we've been begging for for the last few years. Um, Anybody else on this list that you feel like we need to, to dive into? Uh, you know, there's some guys in here. Charles Omenehu, defensive line out of Texas. Seems like a guy who could, um, you know, you could plug in and, into the defensive line and he could play in, in sort of a, uh, you know, sort of a role like a, a Domita Pecco, kind of fill that void uh, as it looks like, you know, contracts are expiring and guys are going to be moving on, those kinds of things. A uh, guy out of Texas there. Um the name that I'm that I'm thinking about, and it's because of the way they're coached. Dalton Risner, an offensive lineman from Kansas State. Mm-hmm. The thing to to watch, and, and Jeff mentions this, is that the the battles in the trenches at the Senior Bowl are the best ones to watch because you're having the best pass rushers against the best offensive linemen, and there is no doubt who is going to win. It. it it, you either win or you lose those battles. And what's fascinating about Risner is he hasn't given up a sack since 2016. That's a long time ago. And as I ago. mentioned, he, you know he's going to be incredibly well coached. And Jeff mentions him as a player who could really rise up in the draft. And pun intended, since his name is... Yeah, no, I got it. It's Reisner it's, yeah, or Risner, yes. however. I mean, he should really change it to Reisner if it's not just so he can can Rise. Reisner in the draft. Yes, he wants to rise in the draft. So, Like Chubb did? Like, yes, Chubb rose in the draft, absolutely. And then Elway grabbed him. <laughs> well, we did. And Elway did grab him, that's true. I plopped it out there and expected it to perform. You did plop it out there and expect it to perform, and you, you went on that one, and on that note, Right now we're going to take a quick break, and this ad is going to plop it out there and expect it to perform very quickly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
All right, and we're back. Um, did it plop it out there and expect it? I don't know. Did it perform? I'm sure it did. Hopefully they still stuck around and are still interested. That's what I like to I like to hear. That's so what let's, she said. <laughs> that is what she said. Oh, so fun. So let's get let's get back to some of the things that's going on in Broncos country right now that's a little more um, concrete. The Broncos did just recently uh, go out and uh, sign Chris Cooper as the offensive line assistant coach. I think that's a that's a pretty good signing, right? That's gonna do something for the offensive line. I know Mike Munchak, bringing in Munchak was, was the, was the coup, right? But what was it that you said uh, about Chris Cooper? He's an absolute dog on the field. Is that, is that what I heard? That's what Joel Dreesen said. Thank you. He was his teammate. So I'll take his word for it. They played together to, to pair a guy who was a dog on the field and knows the position and how to play it with Another guy who knows how to play it and knows how to coach it. It's it's a great it's a great combo. It's a power duo, and it's only going to help the offensive line. And I love Broncos coming. I love former Broncos coming back and having a role in the organization. So hopefully, this also means that Demarcus Ware is going to come back and have the same kind of advisory role with the edge guys that he had last year. Maybe it'll get bigger than that, and maybe he'll be an assistant edge coach where he's around the team more. As long as he's with the Broncos and not the Cowboys, I'm all for it. Right, I agree with that. As long as he's as long as he's in Broncos country and not you know down there with the Cowboys doing whatever it is they do, because Demarcus Ware is he's a phenomenal motivator. I think he's a guy who can lead. I think that that players gravitate towards him. I, I look at what he did for Von Miller when he came in and how Von Miller and, and people probably forget this, or it's sort of in the back of their mind somewhere. Von Miller struggled a little bit with discipline. He got into some trouble when he was young in the league, made some mistakes. DeMarcus Ware came in, showed him what it was to be a professional athlete, to be a pro in the NFL. And, and, and Von Miller really became sort of, that sort of player as well. He kind of took on that role after DeMarcus Ware left. Now, obviously, maybe not as motivational as DeMarcus, but I think DeMarcus Ware back with the Broncos would be a great fit. I'd like to see them do something a little more official than just an advisory role because I think he would be a great coach. I think he's the type of guy that can motivate, that can get guys to to play the way that he knows they should play. I really see him as being somebody who could be a successful coach in the NFL. And I think this would be be a great place for him to start. And I'm hoping that that happens. Who knows? It might, it might not. But I do think that this would be something really good for the team and really good for DeMarcus Ware as well. Imagine DeMarcus Ware and then Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley coaching up the outside linebackers because as we've said on the podcast, the outside linebackers is Vic Fangio's specialty. And then you add into Marcus Ware and then Brandon Staley. I know there's a lot of jokes going around about the, the Broncos mafia with all the Italianos coming in and Ooh. coaching up the Broncos. Italianos. What did you get? Did you get a little, did you put a little flavor on that? Did you put, put a little marinara? <laughs> So it it'd be like it'd be kind of like a, a Goodfellas trio for the outside 
linebackers for the Broncos. Sure, I like that. Goodfellas is a great movie. If you can make that comparison, I'm fine with that. Some would argue that Goodfellas is actually better than The Godfather. They'd be wrong, but that's okay. They they that's- just they would be wrong. The Godfather is one of the greatest movies ever made in movie history. Goodfellas is also, but not it's the, like Goodfellas is maybe top ten. Godfather is top one or two, right? Whenever you look at the like the AFI top one hundred lists and all those things, I think I think Godfather was two, and and Gone with the Wind was one. So they made a mistake there. That's okay. You know, Goodfellas was good. It was really good. It was great. It wasn't The Godfather. Completely different tangent. That was well. You brought it up on purpose. I know you wanted me to. You did that. Um, you did set me up. I appreciate that. You know what? What's really important though is that people understand that that Godfather One and Godfather Two are really just a continuation of the same movie. And then just ignore Three. Don't watch Three. And if you ever get a chance, you got to check out Godfather Saga. Ask the old man about Saga sometime. We spent, I think it was like nine hours on the couch one time uh, on New Year's Day watching Godfather Saga. It's where they take all of the flashbacks from from two, and they start there, and then they go through chronologically. It's fascinating. It's it's great stuff. So basically what you're saying is Godfather 3 is like the two Matrix movies after the first one. If that will help people understand... What I'm trying, yes, I think I think that's a good way to put it. Yes, perhaps. Yeah, the the two the 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 two sequels to the Matrix were just bad. They were just it was just awful. Like what happened? The Matrix was so good. It was so good. Although I have people tell me that if you go back and watch it now, it doesn't hold up. I don't. You know what? You know what I think the best movies ever made are the perfect movies. Perfect. They, they may have some faults. They may have some mistakes in them, but the movies are just perfect. Back to the future. How are they perfect? What makes them perfect? They're really good. Just, I love just I love- the story, the way they were executed. Okay. Everything about it. It's just, it's perfect. I mean, and they hold up. They do. Hold, I will say this. They do hold up. They're, they're good. They're really good movies. But you know what was even better than all of that? And my wife will smile about this as soon as I bring it up. I haven't been as giddy after a game of any kind since Super Bowl 50 as I was when the Chiefs lost in overtime at home to Tom Brady and the Patriots. See, now that's not a segue, that's a pivot. There's a difference, and I'm, I'm learning these things. But I like that pivot because I, I, I just love the idea of being able to continue to mock the Chiefs for having never won the Lamar Hunt trophy. I, I just That to me is, is more important than whether or not Tom Brady goes and wins another suit. I don't care what Tom Brady does. I don't care what the Patriots do. Like I'm, I'm over it. Everybody in the world hates Tom Brady. Because the Patriots are successful, and, and I get you, and I'm with you. I hate them as well, but this is better. This is better because the Chiefs are one of the biggest rivals, one of the two biggest rivals of the Denver Broncos. And if the if the Patriots had lost that game, then the Chiefs would have had something that that the, they would have taken something away from us as fans of the Denver Broncos. 
and that is the ability to mock the Chiefs for never winning the Lamar Hunt Trophy. And so you have to sort of say thank you to the Patriots for that and then root vigorously against them in the Super Bowl. The thing that makes that even better, it even got better because of what happened on Sunday, is for the first time in the history of that organization, the Lamar Hunt Trophy was actually in the stadium that Lamar Hunt paid for and built. <laughs> they were so close That's awesome. to the Lamar Hunt Trophy, and the Patriots ripped it away. You can't make that up. Phenomenal. That is brilliant. You know, the other thing I heard, and this is a fun one, the, the Chiefs are the first team to score over 30 points in a championship game and lose. What's even better is the Chiefs had to have a fake Chief fire up the crowd. I, you they know, couldn't get, they couldn't get, you know, the other Chiefs that are in the Hall of Fame. They had to bring a fake one. The last one to play in an AFC championship game, Joe Montana, a fake chief. Yeah. A, a what would you, a, he's a chief transplant. Is that what that is? Or it's a, I, I don't, I don't know what you would call that. I, what I, what I will call it is sad. It is sad for Kansas city fans. It is sad for the chiefs as an organization. And, and it makes me happy. It makes me smile. I'm fine with it. It's good stuff. And now we can all agree once again in Broncos country, FYTB. Oh, yes. FYTB. F all the Y, TB. And it helps that the son of bum is back in the Super Bowl and has the game plan to destroy Tom Brady. I mean, he's beat him before. He beat him again. To bring this all back to the Broncos, and I wanted to mention this, and it just came back to me. There were two guys watching the Patriots and the Chiefs who I hope realized how they can now slow down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. And that's Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel. Because I, I said on our, our podcast on Saturday previewing the championship games that Bill Belichick was going to take away Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. I had no idea that he was going to be so unbelievably effective at taking away Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill had one catch. I was going to say, did he, it was like he had the one catch and then just was, was gone. He was like gone into thin air. He just didn't exist anymore. And they they allowed Travis Kelsey to make those plays over the middle as I, I said they would, but they limited the big plays. And that's how you beat Kansas City. And I hope Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel were looking at that and saying, we now have the blueprint to beat Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Because as that game showed, Andy Reid still doesn't know how to make adjustments. So what you're saying is, and I'd like to think I'm hearing this correctly, the future is bright in Broncos country. I'd say it's a locked future. Oh, we're going to have to lock it up a little bit here. 
You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.